Elijah is invoked in the Seder and invited into the door, not only because his arrival, according to the prophet Micah, is a harbinger of the end times, but also because we offer to him the questionable cup. We address the unresolved legal matter to him. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 231, The Great Hallel and the Fifth Cup. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In his American Heritage Haggadah and in an article in the Jerusalem Post, David Geffen describes what occurred among New York Jewry when the centennial of George Washington's inauguration as president dovetailed with Passover. Quote, By 1889, with the growing American Jewish population fueled by large annual immigration from Eastern Europe, U.S. Jews wanted to celebrate the Washington Centennial alongside their fellow citizens. The question was what to do. A most interesting solution presented itself. New York's Jewish merchants let it be known that for every 10 pounds of matzah purchased before Passover, the buyer would receive a free picture of Washington. Excitement filled the air as American patriotism and the freedom of Passover marched hand in hand. End quote. Geffen further gives us a wonderful illustration from an 1889 edition of a weekly publication called The American Hebrew, depicting a woman at a New York Seder opening the door for Elijah the prophet. And as she welcomes this traditional Seder visitor, we see in the image that she is standing next to the free picture of Washington, which now has been proudly hung on the wall. The picture and the story indicates, in a uniquely American way, how many of the Jews of New York took it for granted that at the Seder, the door would be open for Elijah. Indeed, these very same Jews would have prepared, for the very same moment, a fifth cup of wine for Elijah himself, as a pairing to the four that they were to drink that evening. But the cup of Elijah and the inviting of him into the Seder is not a universal Jewish tradition. It does not exist, for example, in the Seder of Maimonides, who has an entirely different purpose for the fifth cup one which is linked to the psalm that we study today, a psalm that helps us bring the Seder to a close. Psalm 136 is known in rabbinic texts as Hallel Hagadol, the great Hallel, the great psalm of praise. Like the earlier psalms known as Hallel that we have previously studied, this one also makes mention of the Exodus, and it does so uniquely in a common refrain over 26 verses. It begins, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his loyal love endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of all powers, for his loyal love endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loyal love endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his loyal love endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his loyal love endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his loyal love endureth forever. To him that made the great lights, for his loyal love endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his loyal love endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his loyal love endureth forever. Thus creation is described. And then the Exodus, to him that smote Egypt and their firstborn, for his loyal love endureth forever, and brought out Israel from among them, for his loyal love endureth forever. The description goes on, and then the psalm continues by describing the journey out of Egypt and the miracles that followed. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his loyal love endureth forever. To him which smote great kings, for his loyal love endureth forever, and slew famous kings, for his loyal love endureth forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his loyal love endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his loyal love endureth forever. And gave their land for a heritage, for his loyal love endureth forever, even a heritage unto Israel his servant, for his loyal love endureth forever. The great Hallel appears in our Haggadah today. But interestingly, the text in the Talmud 
that put it there has several versions that have been passed down. For the version embraced by many of the medieval Jewish scholars of Spain and Provence, the Talmud, after explaining how the earlier psalms of praise are said over the fourth cup of wine, then reports the following in the name of Rabbi Tarfon. Over the fifth cup, we recite the great Hallel. The fifth cup? Whose fifth cup is this? From where did the fifth cup come? For Maimonides, who preserves this version of the text, the fifth cup is optional. If the rabbis are saying you wish to drink another cup of wine, you may say another psalm over it, the great psalm of praise. To this day, there are Jews that preserve this tradition, and in understanding it, we turn to Plato's philosophical work, the Symposium. The word symposium in Greece originally referred not to a dry discussion of academics surrounding a table, but to a Greek drinking party where philosophical engagements occurred over wine. In Plato's work, the Symposium, we meet Socrates at a banquet, where a discussion about the nature of love ensues. Suddenly, a famous Greek general crashes the party. Plato writes, quote, Alcibiades in the courtyard, very drunk and shouting loudly, asking where Agathon was and commanding them to lead him to Agathon. Plato further adds, He stood at the door, thickly crowned with ivy and violets, with many fillets on his head, and he said, Men hail! Will you welcome a man who's terribly drunk as a fellow drinker? End quote. As I discussed in Mosaic, there is a name for what is occurring here with Alcibiades, and it is found in the Haggadah. When the wise son asks to be taught the laws of Passover, he is informed of the final rule, Ein maftir an achara pesach afikoman. One does not conclude the Seder with an afikoman. In today's parlance, the word afikoman has come to refer to the last piece of matzah eaten at the Seder's conclusion, but in the original text, the word refers to something that Jews were supposed to avoid. It is very likely a reference to a body ritual known as the komos, a Greek word from which today's term comedy is derived. I cited, in Mosaic, the late chef and rabbi Gil Marx, who tells us the following about Greco-Roman dining. Quote, At the end of the symposium, however, followed a komos, later komosachu in Rome, named after an intoxicated reveling group of satyrs who followed around the Greek god of wine and fertility, Dionysus. The word comedy also comes from the komos. The end of the symposium, living up to the namesake Komos, consisted of a drinking party accompanied with revelry, music, and song. The host always provided various tidbits, most notably fruits, roasted grain, and nuts, similar to the modern beer nuts, to nosh on with the wine to induce the consumption of alcohol. Marx adds that the Komos served as a ritualistic transition from the intellectual and gastronomic parts of the symposium to its sensual decadent side, inevitably and intentionally leading to lewdness. As part of the Komos, the inebriated participants would then proceed from house to house, laughing and singing to persuade others to join them in their drinking, carousing, and orgies. The sages, not wanting the aftermath of the Seder to degenerate into the body and lascivious behavior of the Komos, realized that it was necessary to avoid the excesses of the symposium. End quote. Alcibiades, as scholars note, is engaged in a Komos, and this is exactly what the sages sought to avoid. And so the wise son is told not to perform a Komos after the Seder. And it is with this in mind that we can better understand the version of the Talmudic text about the fifth cup embraced by Maimonides. If, Maimonides is writing to Seder celebrants, you wish for an encore, for another cup of wine, if four is not enough, then you may have a fifth, but only alongside the Hallel Hagadol. The singing of Psalm 136, building on the matzah and other wine that we have consumed and imbibed, the long litany of praise to God for his loyal love endureth forever. That becomes our epicomos. It becomes our conclusion to the meal. Not a drunken Dionysian revelry, not an ancient version of a Viennese table filled with beer nuts and sweets, but a hymn of Hallel. 
What this teaches us, as I emphasize often, is that while many suggest that the Seder is a parallel to the symposium, it is actually a reversal of it, a response to Greece, theologically and ethically. Wine is obligatory at the Seder, but it is there to deepen our gratitude to God to further sanctify our evening. And it is through Psalm 136 that we are reminded to avoid hedonism at all costs. And yet, while Sephardic sages such as Maimonides and Maimonides' famous interlocutor, Avraham ben David, Ravad, both would have had a fifth cup at their Seder. Ashkenazic rabbis such as Rashi insisted that this version of the Talmud is a scribal error that really we are only to drink four cups, and that the great Hallel, Psalm 136, is added, along with the other psalms and songs of praise, to the recitation over our fourth and final cup. As our Jonathan Sachs has explained, this medieval debate can help us understand why many Jews now have a fifth cup of Elijah poured for the prophet, but not imbibed by us. As he put it, quote, hence the extra cup at the Seder table. Out of respect for Rambam, Maimonides, and Ravad, we pour it. Out of respect for Rashi, we do not drink it. According to the sages, unresolved halachic disputes will one day be resolved by Elijah. End quote. Thus, for many Jews, like those of New York 1889, Elijah is invoked in the Seder and invited into the door, not only because his arrival, according to the prophet Micah, is a harbinger of the end times, but also because we offer to him the questionable cup. We address the unresolved legal matter to him. The fifth cup, thus, is the cup of the unresolved enigma, the cup of the limits of human understanding. Understood this way, the entire Seder is a process that shows to us Judaism's belief in man's intellectual capacity, but also its stressing of our limitations. Leon Cass once contrasted Athens and Jerusalem by noting that awe, humility, was, for Aristotle, not a virtue to be admired in adults. But Jews insist that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Thus, as I argued in my Tikva lectures on the Haggadah, throughout Passover evening, we highlight the Jewish emphasis on intelligent inquiry. Many questions are asked, answers are provided. Every query has a response. Every verse is interpreted. Exegetical insights are offered. The symbolic foods of the Seder are all explained. The power of the mind of man is made manifest at the Seder through the Haggadah, and the power of the creative interpretive approach of the rabbis is on display. But then, as the meal comes to an end and the cup of Elijah is poured, the cup of the unresolved question, the cup that reminds us that we do not know the answer to everything. At this point, in Psalm 136 and others, we praise God, the one omniscient Almighty. The ancient Greek symposium may conclude with a hedonistic komos. The Jewish Seder ends with faith in the God before whom we stand in awe. Thus, Psalm 136 concludes, for some, over a fourth cup, and for some, following Maimonides, over a fifth who remembered us in our lowest state, for his loyal love endureth forever, and hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his loyal love endureth forever, who giveth food to all flesh, for his loyal love endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his loyal love endureth forever. When the Jews of New York opened the door for Elijah in 1889 and recited the great Hallel in the presence of the portrait of Washington, they were, in a sense, paying tribute to a man who had himself reflected in awe at the story of the Exodus. For Washington had written to the Jews of Savannah 100 years before, quote, May the same wonder-working deity who long since delivering the Hebrews from their Egyptian oppressors planted them in the Promised Land, whose providential agency has lately been conspicuous in establishing these United States as an independent nation, still continue to water them with the dews of heaven. 
Washington's words are, in their own way, an echo of Psalm 136. And for his Exodus-inspired warm welcome to American Jewry, we today remain grateful. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.